0: Welcome everybody to episode thirty-eight of the Light Shed Podcast on a pretty crazy week. I'm Brandon Ross, along with Rich Greenfield, Walter Pisick, and Jamiro Koi for our intro music this week. And um, I, I guess with the Jamiro Koi thing, had to had to a, had a go with that. Consider Doctor Dre as a tribute. Um, following his uh his own tough personal health situation but uh the viking shaman being confused uh with being the lead singer for Jamiricoy was the one piece of levity that i found in this whole capital takeover thing pretty amazing for those who didn't see yeah why don't you explain it to everyone brandon because yeah, people for, may not for, know what you're talking about for those who didn't see um Jamirochoy, which was Pretty big, I think, in the mid-90s. I remember seeing them at the electric factory in Philadelphia. Um, their sort of uh, symbol, like the, the band logo, had um, uh, a guy with with almost like Viking horns and his head tilted to the side. So that, plus the guy who was the Viking Shaman, um, QAnon guy, also looked like the lead singer of Jamiro So they had to put out a um, release. The band that, had to, or he had well, to. or he had to, and clarify that it actually wasn't <laughs> him um, who was inside the Capitol building. He actually, I think, is British and lives in London or something uh, because the the rumors got pretty rampant. So... At least that was was that song the
1: last time I was in the lobby of my dentist office. Oh, really? Sounded like it. Yeah.
0: Recent. I mean, what just sounded like a dentist office type music. (laughs) Very chill,
2: Uh, relaxing. Yeah.
0: The lyrics actually are a little bit prophetic. If, if you go back and not going into it, let's move on to to the first Uh, one. No, I I just, Walt, I don't even want to go to the first slide because I have to give you credit for something. What happened? uh, I want to get it. So, when I got back here, um
2: meaning New York city
0: no to to oh. the beach i um I had a package from Walt, which was my holiday gift, and I want to show everybody it it is um this is Stevie Cohen, who is the new owner of the Mets and obviously runs point point seventy two and um, he is indeed the new king of New York, as we saw yesterday with the Lindor trade. And just to let you know, Walt, I went on the Forbes Business Report this week. I recorded like a half-hour segment, and it's it's syndicated, but it's a Yes Network show. And the first thing I did, I wore a hoodie and I unzipped it because Yes is Yankees, and I and I let everyone know that there is. There's a new king. That there is that there is a new king. So thank you for. Did that make the broadcast, impressive? Brandon? No, they told me they were cutting it out.
2: Are we making a prediction on Mets wins this year, Brandon? With this new
0: Walt wants show? me. Walt wants me to because I'm the careless.
1: I don't watch baseball. It's too boring. If the Mets want to be, want you're to such to a liar. When the Phillies are winning, you totally watch baseball. Yeah, maybe, oh, but only in the playoffs, <laughs> and not anymore. Really, it's a, it's really a boring sport. Sorry. I hope. I hope. Um, they can generate some interest in New York and they can help ratings and advertisers and whatnot, but pass. Huh? Pass. Should not we hit not, our first? Watching sh- baseball. Should we hit our first
0: slide? He'll be watching baseball in like 12 years when the Phillies get good again. Don't worry.
2: <laughs> so let's start off. Uh, obviously the news of the week was um, politics and everything that happened in DC. It's hard to not acknowledge what happened uh, in terms of the, essentially the riot um, that took over the Capitol. But, you know, following that, there's a tweet from Emily Birnbaum because there was a lot of kind of attacks. I mean, I, when Twitter and Facebook and others um, essentially blocked President Trump's account and stopped him from having the ability to post, there was a lot of comments saying, this was too, wa- too late, they, t- they took far too long to do all of this and that they should have had a more active role earlier. So we've got this tweet from Emily Birnbaum saying, Ajit Pai from the FCC chairman told me he will not move forward with a Section 230 rulemaking, ignoring the president's request in the final days of his presidency.
1: Yeah, that occurred on January 7th after the president basically said he's conceding the election. So not exactly a brave move (laughs) by the now soon to be former chairman of the FCC at all.
2: Right. But on the flip side, Walt, He was also the one where we sort of saw a lot of indications that he was trying to push a rulemaking towards the end of last year. That sort of surprised
1: us. Yeah. There there
0: is a there is a commissioner. Yeah, because he was because he was a Trump lackey. And now obviously everyone is and there was a commissioner that wasn't breaking the Trump to save their careers.
1: And there was a commissioner that stood up for their principles, Commissioner O'Reilly, who ended up getting pushed out as a result of standing up for his principles, primarily, and, and then to put Nathan Symington in there, who was the guy who sent an email to, I think it was Laura Ingram at Fox News, trying to curry Fox's favor for the Section 230. And now they're not even going to take it <laughs> forward. I mean, those are the facts. So people can make their own judgment.
2: Well, and it tr- sort of ties into this John Fort tweet that we have up here, too, where John uh, tweets out. I don't care if you're a senator or not. If you can't advance beyond the third grade understanding of the First Amendment, I can't take your opinions about Section 230 seriously
0: anymore.
1: Well, so he, I think that that specific tweet is targeted at um, the senator from um, Sprint's home state of Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember his name. I didn't know him before. I'm probably not going to know him in three months um, who was based who had his book deal pulled. And Claiming that's the First Amendment. I, I We see this stuff all the time. People are just ignorant. People about, lose
0: book deals for things
1: all the no, time. No, Brandon, the bigger okay. picture is not about losing book deals. It's just It goes beyond that. It's just ignorance of what the First Amendment means. Which was
2: O'Reilly's big press. I mean, that's what O'Reilly was focused on was the First Amendment.
1: Correct. So, look, Section 230, it can still be legislated. Um, The Democrats obviously have their own Uh, issues. uh,
0: I'll I'll say this, though, like free speech and everything, and it goes right to this tweet. I'm of the belief that the response from all all the major platforms actually except Snap, um, because they did a lot more over the summer, was just too little, too late and i i I, I, look it's it's a it's a tough needle to thread because you don't want to feel like those who are you know angry and are part of the sort of the quote uh, the mob don't want to feel like they're being you know squashed down and you have to make them uh, feel like they're being heard but at the same time I mean, a lot of the president's actions were just downright dangerous and putting a label on something that says, oh, like this is disputed. No one actually cared about that or looked at or looked at it or t- or took it seriously. And I just what's take a interesting. If, hold for a what
1: what's that?
2: Well, I was going to say the counterpoint is the TV networks ran a speech where Rudy Giuliani and President Trump both basically incited the riot so it ran on national television for everyone in the country to watch i don't know how much i mean no one's calling on the networks that's, not to air press conferences
0: no that's that's fair and some of the networks themselves yeah maybe you're right rich some of the networks themselves were complicit in- i just
2: don't like double standards if you're going to make a rule for digital you should make a rule for television there shouldn't be different rules for different mediums and that's what just has continues to drive me crazy like he was given a platform on TV. The issue with Section on- Two
1: Thirty is the comment section. There's no comment yes. section on television. Okay, that's, that's, that's the difference. So it's not the same thing. Maybe if there's a Fox News, but if you look at the New York Post, those guys they don't have comments on the New York Post anymore. So when um, the ownership of the of the New York Post pushes out, I guess their latest thing is trying to connect this to Antifa. Um, there's no comment <laughs> section in the New York Post. What's so, so? What's interesting is that that now that the Democrats have won Georgia. Um, the opportunity for the administration to put a fifth commissioner in there exists. Like I still think that commissioner Rosenworcel is the best person for this job. She should be made permanent chairman. I hope that that occurs. um, And that's stated quickly. However, um, look, this created a, perhaps a, a wave, right? You've got a lot of momentum now from the left because of the events um, you know what they say: you you reap what you sow. And look, there could be a movement to put someone in the FCC as the third Democrat who represents something new and different. And a lot of these things, whether it's Section 230 or the impact on on technology companies or M and A, could be impacted by this. They won Georgia, and there's going to be a there's going to probably be a, a whipsaw on what happened, um, you know, over this past week. And it's probably going right to happen quickly, but you know no, what I no, mean. But 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 but
2: seating seating the commission will
1: happen now very, very
2: quickly rather than I don't know if taking- it's look,
1: th- you still have to get votes done, but certainly a lot more quickly than had yeah. Mitch McConnell been controlling the process, you know, controlling the Senate. Right. And again, my point is that it just opens up like before, like Rosenworcel, whether it was going to be temporary or permanent, that was going to be the person now. Like, I don't know. Like, we'll, we'll see what happens. Like, there's again, probably going to be a lot of different momentum occurring within the Democratic Party. And um should we just sort of
2: in passing mention the fact that um, <laughs> we haven't seen a lot from Maria
1: um, after I mean, we comments. talked about this before? Right. She was one of these Section 230 people. I don't know if she's talking about Section 230 now. She doesn't seem outraged that Trump's um tweets that were inciting violence were taken down. So is she saying that that shouldn't be covered by Section 230? But she um who claimed that she was going to leave parlor. Can you bring that tweet up? Um, yep. Rich. Sorry. Hold on. Yep. Hold so this on. is Maria Bartiromo for our podcast listeners. Who is on Fox business. Um, the date who, who was I November think, 5th. Yeah. This is November 5th. She said she's leaving and she's going to parlor. Have, have we heard from her at all? Since? She,
0: we it's, did, but there was a, there was a, there was a noticeable gap. No, when, I'm talking about re, like the last two days. I'm just curious. She has, yes, I don't think- there, oh,
1: there, like I said, there was a noticeable gap when the insurrection started um, where she didn't tweet anything. And then the next day she just started tweeting out this generic stuff. um, You know, whatever, like whatever the attorney, the attorney general from Texas is planning on doing whatever, I guess they're going to go after all these insurrectionists. If they want to consider them Antifa and, and use that as a reason to put them in jail for 10 years. I mean, call them whatever you want, but like, you know, you gotta be, how
0: do you, how do you consider them Antifa when we've seen their Facebook pages and they, Say QAnon, on question. It. Very good question. <laughs> I mean, I don't exactly understand that. Not to make this too political, but, but they're probably I, one. I think same, it's hard though. not to the same to... type
1: of person. QAnon If It's the same person, just on different sides of the spectrum. Ag-
0: agree with that
1: 100. By the also... way, everyone in our firm condemns the burning of of um, cities that occurred from the people at the protests earlier in the year.
0: So there's no like. There's no. no double. There's no double standard.
2: None at all. None at all. I, I just want to take one second. I agree. Well, um, thanks for saying that. But the other thing I wanted to just talk about for a second is just there is this negative reaction that, oh, my God, Trump got banned from Twitter for 12 hours. This is the end of Twitter. Um, the you know, Twitter stock has been selling off. I've seen articles about this. The, the funny thing is, is political time spent on Twitter, you know, political tweets is, you know, low teens percentages of total content consumed on Twitter. I think most people don't even read the president's tweets on Twitter. They see them on many other places. And so it's not like Twitter usage is being driven by President Trump, him and him alone. In reality, the device of this in our country, and you saw it in the Georgia vote the other day, this country is so politically divided. I don't think it's going to matter who's president. And I don't think Trump's going to stop tweeting. Uh, He may be a bit more censored as a private citizen versus um, being president. But the reality is, I think Twitter as a use case, not just for politics, but for lots of different things, is not going away. I think it's going to be a big mistake if people look at the end of Trump and see it as a major risk factor for Twitter over the course of 2021.
0: A a couple of things there. Number one is the unfortunate thing about Twitter is that it breeds filter bubbles. Um. So so does Facebook and
2: Instagram. Oh,
0: also even TikTok. To be fair, (laughs) a little bit less. Um. Right. I saw a lot of political videos on uh, TikTok. Sure. But but hold on, Brandon. Let me just let me
1: just respond to that really quickly. Sorry, Brandon. So do I, but I see them from both sides. Do you are you only seeing things that you that you agree with or are you seeing other stuff? We don't we don't need to talk about what you
0: believe on, wh- in on which platform? Correct. On TikTok you're on, you're or something? I'm on TikTok. TikTok, TikTok is, more is definitely way more balanced. Yeah, no, I mean, Rich has said that's it wasn't. The thing I'm, with building that's your own interest graph versus Correct. having it algorithmically served to you. And yeah. my Unless biggest platforms is is one with, only person that doesn't Twitter. use FYP. <laughs> My biggest problem with Twitter has always been that you only see and hear the people that you choose to see and hear, and there's no balance to it, and it actually incites further division um, because of that. And they need to figure out a way to solve that, not for the business necessarily, but for
1: um, humanity.
0: But for the good of humanity, that's number one. Number two is. Um, Yes, the president himself drives a lot of (laughs) traffic to Twitter. But again, that's still just a piece of it. Twitter needs to do two things in order to make the stock work, the business work, assuming normalized market times. One is they need to get their shit together on the ad tech side. And number two is they need to figure out a way to make it or continue to to make it easier for the average person to come back on a daily basis, yep. and I think I'm one of that ad tech I'm, I'm, thing I'm, is,
1: is crazy. Brandon, can you? I mean, like, it's it's it's, I know, the it's stuff that you get fed. It's the same exact spot every time, and it's completely yeah. non-relevant items.
0: Yeah, Twitter Twitter has a problem there, and Correct. um, look. Map. It's better and, than it was a year ago. Like,
2: it was better than it was a year ago, so it's getting better. I mean, you're talking about That's a true. very
0: a very low bar. They're competitors. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's still
2: getting better. It doesn't matter. It's getting better. And on I, the and on the coming back or the the way to engage people more often. Look, I'm starting to see every time I open Twitter now and start to scroll through on mobile. I'm. Seeing I bet you the see I,
0: topics. I bet you see all the political news that makes you feel good. Don't correct. Me? <laughs> no, not the case of TikTok. It's just- which is good and bad. Again, it's good for engagement, but bad for the world. Okay, let's. And move by on. the way, I love Twitter, so it's my favorite tool. I like it better than my Bloomberg um, for our use cases, but it's something to think about
1: can i just point out one more thing rich before we yeah. go there. this is a different topic but but it's a kind of an offshoot we, years ago we, we meet with a lot of private companies and years ago i think it was called a hexagon crimson hexagon or something like yep. that yep. and they talked about the information the that they get from the 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 flow from twitter blah 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 and 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 they can sell this to law enforcement and the dod which they have and they and they claimed that that was one of their customers as i recall i could be wrong on that but i could be wrong um probably right so if you if you just went under <laughs> I mean, trumps right. if you went under tr- any of trumps tweets to you know, you find someone that comments like, "Yes, like blah blah blah." I agree with you. Click on that person, and then click on their tweets. There was plenty of evidence of what was happening, what was going to happen on on um, January sixth. Plenty of evidence, it, and it was just takes three clicks, three clicks. So, where's the technology that our law enforcement was going to use to understand how to get I- prepared?
0: It, I think well, that's, or just, they not that's care. just negligence on yeah. the, the on either willful blindness or negligence on law enforcement. It's just not hard. Uh, it's for, not because hard because a lot of people saw this coming, yeah. and maybe we didn't see them jumping through windows, <laughs> right? And smoking weed on the um, on the floor of the Senate. But I just to, answered to, my to willful blindness point, question just...
2: correctly on my compliance re- refresher, Brandon. Yes. <laughs> Okay, now we. Did you, do your, Sorry.
0: Did you yeah. do your? Did you do your complaints? I did. I did. I, held I it. did. Roblox. Did you? Did you? Well, of course, Brandon. Okay. Brandon, can because you read everyone Roblox? said I wasn't going to do it. I I could hit Roblox if you'd like me to. Yes, please. Let um, me while I
1: read this tweet. Roblox raises five hundred twenty five five hundred twenty million ahead of planned stock market direct listing from a CNBC tweet. Brandon.
0: Yeah. So Roblox had pulled their IPO. Um, in early December, citing really market conditions, it was very tough for them to properly price the I, the IPO. And instead, because the IPOs they, were
2: doubling on day one, just well, to- yeah,
0: I mean, like it was like Airbnb was up one hundred seventy percent, what whatever it may be, and they very smartly did a negotiated Series F or whatever round it may be. I think led by Altimeter. And um, and they got the value um, for the company that is more in line with what it would have probably traded to rather than having bankers decide and ensuring that they make money for their clients at the. So we're still going to see this as a public company
2: in twenty twenty one. It's just going to come out in a different form, more like Spotify and less like a traditional
0: IPO. Yeah. And as Bill Gurley keeps saying over and over. In today's day and age, that's how it should be done. I mean, the companies are listing their shares, it should be set up for them to maximize value for yep. the company, not for the investment or the brokerage firm's clients, period, end of story. So that's, that's number one good decision. The second part is probably even the more second, interesting. Though. Yeah, the second part I I find more interesting, which is Warner Music Group joins the $520 million investment round in video game platform uh Roblox. And um we have we've talked about this in the past. I think that video games in general st- streaming culture and uh and the like are a good place for music discovery, right. And as we get to the the metaverse, whatever Gosh. you know that means I don't even want to use the term, right but as it, Engagement continues to expand on these platforms and there are more things to do and people are spending more time. One of the key parts of entertainment is music and music is going to be represented on these platforms, whether it's in virtual concerts um, or other Experience. Well, it's you, you think about it. Hold on. Let
2: me just stop you. Because, you know, when you used to think about how did you learn about music, it was like you were driving in your car and you were listening to terrestrial radio. And that's how that was the promotional platform yeah, because for were, new songs.
0: Right. That's where, that's where you were spending time.
2: Right. Now, where are you spending time? You're living in this virtual it depends world. Who you, it depends
0: who you are. But if well, you're a tween, that's where you're spending time. So if record labels want to reach potential um, new listeners. That's where they're going to find them. It's it's no different than any other brand. Now the the whole like our concerts going to be you know virtual, that whole thing. I think there are some unique experiences that you could create, unique interactive. Experiences. I, I don't
2: think that's going to be the game day engine. World. But I
0: don't think that's again the day to day either. I think that's actually being overhyped. I saw an interview um, with. The Roblox head of music where I, f- I felt like he was overhyping that a little bit. You know what would be awesome, though? I don't know if you guys remember this. If we brought this back into Roblox, turntable.fm. Where we
2: could all play music together. We, we all play, it's an
0: interactive I- experience. Wasn't Courtney from Spotify involved in that also? I don't remember. I, I remember like Seth It Goldstein, was like Seth, I don't remember. Um, so that. And then the other thing everyone may notice that my background Today is this Roblox game Beast Swarm. Um, in my kind of work on Roblox, I became obsessed with this game. I don't know why. Um, it's just—is this why I, you haven't written that much this week? <laughs> week? No.
1: <laughs> week? Do you say week? Too busy rewriting. Yeah, Too busy Brad. rewriting
0: your shit, Rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: That
2: was amazing. Okay,
1: uh, let, let's move on to Verizon, Walt. The tweet uh, that Rich has is shows of something from light reading Jesus. I can't speak. Uh, Verizon, okay. oh my God, Ver- Verizon <laughs> could deploy C-band spectrum on both small cells and macro sites. So look, this was there was some conferences this week and there was basically finally a very specific admission by Verizon that they would use a certain CBRS spectrum on macro towers. for. More than a year, they've denied that they would use this spectrum on macro towers, the CBRS spectrum. Why were they denying it? Like, what, what do you think the core Possibly reason Possibly because they wanted no one to get excited about the auction where they had to purchase it. But, Kyle Maladay, whatever, I think there are a lot, were a lot of folks who thought our CBRS would just be in little small cells in cities, but that's not the case. We have it on macro sites as well. Kyle, you were the one and your compatriots that told us that it was only going to be on small cells. It wasn't a lot of folks. It was Verizon that was saying. It. Anyway, right. point it's, is, it's not like we dreamed this up. Yes. Sorry for me to digress, but this was, you know, look, we have the evidence. We wrote about this. They push back and saying, well, no, you know, open signal. The, I don't know if that data is real. It, yeah, it was real. You were using the spectrum on macro towers. Um, but look, the bigger picture here is millimeter wave and small cells was this big thing that they pushed in 2014, 2015. We have an $80 billion auction that, that tells you the answer of what's happening now, which is Verizon wants to get a lot of spectrum um, to try and keep pace with what's happening at T-Mobile, who's building out their own deep spectrum that they got from Sprint. The, the other thing here, Rich, is you're spending $80 billion. It's hard to believe that that amount of money can be spent and cable town is not going to be in there for 10 20 billion dollars. I mean we'll see. Well we're going to know soon enough. This thing's petering. This the auction will probably end next week and then we'll probably know within I don't know, at early February let's call it, who won. So when Comcast has to deliver the reality that their JV with Charter spent 10 20 billion dollars, what's the next what are the questions that that investors are going to ask?
2: Well, I think people are going to wonder is this being, you know, are they flipping again? Like, is this like what they did with Verizon and the MVNO, where they're basically acquiring spectrum and they're going to use it as a chit to trade for something they want with the telcos? Or is this the cable companies going, you know, wireless is working pretty well for us. Instead of being purely MVNO, we're going to be building and operating more spectrum ourselves. And we're sort of, slowly weaning our way off of the MVNO. I think that's going to be the big question for But in for this investors. case they own
1: the spectrum jointly. So now you're what you're arguing for is um that Comcast and Charter together are going to use the spectrum as a shit for who? Whoever they're going to be trading this off with. Like that's a now you're talking about it's hard enough to get one or two companies together. Like now you're saying two companies in a joint venture are going to negotiate to use this spectrum to negotiate some type of strategic advantage with somebody else. Maybe, I guess. I think back, what was it called? The old Spectrum Co had sold, that was Comcast,
2: Charter, and Cox, or sorry, it was Comcast, Time Warner, Cable, and Cox. I believe they collectively
1: sold their Spectrum. And got an MVNO. So 100%, it worked in that scenario. So we'll see if this is worth the same thing or whether they actually use this as an asset to build a network.
2: But all of this, meaning Verizon's commentary that we've pulled up on the slide of doing more in macro and obviously spending big in the auction, net takeaway good for the tower stocks that you... Initiated on this. I mean,
1: we had five reasons why we think people should own tower stocks in 2021. One of them was Verizon's pivot to using macro towers from this millimeter wave thing. And thankfully, two days later, they gave us at least one element of that evidence that (laughs) the pivot. The pivot is now. Look, when this auction ends, they're still going to say, "Oh, a millimeter wave is very important to us." Blah blah blah. Like the actions speak louder than words, fellas. You know, we see what's happening.
0: But but the bottom line with Verizon is they were untruthful. Is
1: What's frustrating, Brandon, as as I'm sure you heard in my tone of the voice, is we had this nailed last year, and the pushback—no, no, no—you no, know, the power doesn't work for small cells. That that is, thankfully, we printed anyway. You know, perhaps more modified text than we normally would, um, because we obviously want to get the input from companies on anything we do and, and hear all sides. Um, but our language obviously would have been more aggressive had they admitted the truth, which is that they are going to be using CBRS spectrum on macro towers. Right. And, and it's oh. just, it was very upsetting to have them say like, I think a lot of folks were, th- I mean, are you kidding me?
0: <laughs> like, so okay, Verizon, sorry. Verizon outright lied. And that goes back to Rich's, you know, favorite, um, saying, which is
2: everybody lies. I love that hashtag. It's my favorite. OK, let's move on to um, Viacom with, you know, sort of I, I guess this is sort of the Shari Redstone, Bob Backish victory lap. You know, for, for three years running, Shari was out there saying we need scale. Putting Viacom and CBS makes sense and by putting them together it makes sense. They got onto YouTube TV, so they got the Viacom channels after CBS was already there the power of renegotiating was they got Viacom channels onto YouTube TV. And then lo and behold, this week we wake up and Hulu Live with their 4 million subscribers is carrying not just CBS, but now they're carrying the Viacom channels. And so the idea of the, unfortunately, it it was never what Retrans was supposed to be for. Like Retrans was supposed to be for broadcast TV. It was never supposed to be to drag along cable networks. But time and time again, it's being abused to drag along cable networks Viacom very smartly using it to get meaningful increase in distribution for the Viacom cable networks, which was a key reason for this transaction, kind of providing that kind of crowbar to get Viacom distribution. And so good validation for the merger doesn't fix the fact that cable network subscribers are falling at a organically five, six, probably seven percent rate in 2021 as more and more content shifts to streaming. I mean, the funny thing about this, Brandon, is just as Viacom is doing their Hulu deal we're getting ready any day this or any day in the course of this month of January we're expecting Viacom to have a Paramount Plus investor day where they sort of ex, you know showcase the future of the company as direct to consumer that has nothing to do with their core linear TV business that Hulu is now paying for probably paying for pretty meaningfully on a monthly basis
0: yeah well look i think the Part of the thesis of the deal, which was smart, is that virtual MVPDs are really no different than wired MVPDs and that cable networks are going to still have the ability to lead with their best content and bundle everything in. And that virtual MVPDs would look like wired MVPDs in their offerings eventually. Which well, there is seen, one difference though, which is... a lot lower margin, <laughs> <laughs> if, if yeah. any. Well, yeah. The, I mean who knows how much margin there really is in the in the video <laughs> well, business itself anymore. But, well, but mean, this is part of the Fubo thesis. Well, I was going to say let's end. bring it up.
2: So read the like, I mean let's 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 tie this all together. I'm going to call an audible, but like, you know, Fubo announced that they ended 2020 with 540,000 subscribers, which, you know, sounds great. It was ahead of their target of 510,000, but But, Walt, you know, there's this whole T-Mobile launched this T-Vision product last year, end of last year. And he goes out this week, and the the quote is that we have up on the slide, Sievert, T-Vision is not a massive profit center.
1: So, look, you can't tool on Mike for saying that because he probably just responded to that. And like, why is that a headline by whoever publication put that? Of course, it's not
0: a major profit center. They first especially could, for T-Mobile in the context of the entire business it's like Yeah, I mean look, it stop. is
1: silly I think that they're trying to put this thing together but like maybe it's kind of an attempt to pivot from the bigger disaster which was spending 325 million dollars on Layer 3 TV to send a box to your home. I still have the the remote which has <laughs> buttons that had oh no Lord. actual function on their you know, box in the home strategy. That was that the be- BMW
2: of boxes. I remember them. Saying.
1: BMW of boxes. I actually originally thought it was a great idea because maybe it would be the way to provide broadband into the home in a complete bundle. That never ended up like happening. with an LTE antenna into the home. Was the original Correct. idea LTE for your bro- for the connection to the network, and then that would give you your Wi-Fi throughout the house um, and your TV and the, and the great thing about that technology from layer 3 was they had the best compression on both ends so they could do all the channels and it wouldn't use now the, the story was tight the execution was not and the service was horrible um that's been killed but now it's kind of i guess gotten reinvented in this new thing um, that no one's taking but but the larger issue is what
2: brandon just said and brandon nailed it right like this is not this is not a good business i mean that's the bottom line is that you have to take all these channels We talked about in an earlier podcast how T-Mobile tried to create some alternative packaging and they had a reverse course a few weeks later when the networks went crazy saying this violated contracts. Time and time again, this kind of forced bundling destroys the economics of the VMVPD business. There's no way around it. Brandon was right. They look just like regular MVPDs and there's not a lot of margin. VMVPDs, we're not even sure there's any margin, but there's certainly not a lot of margin even in success. So, and Rich, that's the fundamental problem
1: if you so the variety the, the wireless guys are very optimistic about their ability to deliver broadband to the home. And let's assume this team level thing is just dumb and they're they will at some point kill it. Um, Verizon, I think, is has said we'll bundle YouTube TV, but technically, people in the tech industry or telecom industry fear bringing in Google on in any way to give them access to their customers. So if you were running a wireless company and you wanted to provide a bundle where you're basically just not, you're just slapping on an existing service, who do you use? Is it Hulu? Is it Fubo? Do you go to Charlie and say, let's use Sling? Like what? what should they be packaging?
2: I mean, first of all, I'd say it's not even, why not just provide an app store that lets you choose? I mean, I'm not even sure... It really matters which one you actually bundle in. They're they're all the argument.
0: But the argument against that, you should just give the customer choice.
1: Okay, but the argument against that—that we've heard from Verizon, I think even the cable companies—is there are some customers that they just want to get the—they don't want to have the choice. Like you don't want the choice. You want someone to give. There are a select right. The paradox
0: of choice is a problem.
1: Correct. So if you were going to pick one to partner with and say like that's my—I mean
0: I—I use YouTube TV. I. I like I it a lot. And I think recommendation engine is pretty awesome. Sense.
1: Sure. It's it's a good product, but it's also Google. And there's an aversion, like, you know, right. AT&T considers Google a major competitor. competitor. So yep. this theoretically show should Verizon,
0: but I mean look so 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 it's FUBA?
2: Well <laughs> look, Verizon could also have their own, right? I mean there's also I mean Walt is was, trying to craft hold the TrueBo
1: bulk case here, If I Verizon's think. their own that's, that's that's what we were just shitting on T-Mobile for doing their own. Like why do your own? But
0: by the way Verizon has had a strategic <laughs> relation or a biz dev deal at least with um with Google on YouTube TV. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, absolutely. They, yeah, so
1: no, no, I, th- I you're right. It's not right, like but, they
0: have an aversion to it.
1: No, you're 100% right that up to this point, that's who they've selected. Yeah. I just think it's an, an odd choice. And maybe it's, it's because these other ones are so bad relative to what YouTube TV can pr- provide that, um, and they obviously Verizon wouldn't want to do anything with Charlie. So there's like some issues there. <laughs> right. And, um, so that maybe YouTube TV just, you know, is well, the, I, is the platform? I, I could play.
2: Choice. I could play devil's advocate for a second and say,
1: sure. why not choose Hulu Live? They already have a very good
2: relationship with Disney. They do the Disney Triple Play bundle. Absolutely. Why is Hulu Live not the preferred partner?
0: That's actually or, that's interesting, Rich.
2: It's the largest VMVPD. They've got four million subs. They're bigger than YouTube, and they already love Disney. So just Look, get Verizon into has, even more with Disney.
1: Verizon has done great things for Disney Plus. They hope to do good things for Discovery the 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 whole argument with with T-Mobile and discovery. Netflix yeah discovery we'll get to that later but the whole <laughs> yeah. thing with Netflix and T-Mobile is like the, the Netflix customers via T-Mobile are going to churn less so the wireless operators br- already bring something to t- the table from a mobile standpoint if they start penetrating with 5G and broadband you know finding figuring out which platform aligns with those guys that have that is your most essential service is your wireless phone is is probably you know an interesting market opportunity Speaking of Discovery, Discovery Plus launched this week.
2: Uh, there was a lot of excitement. Uh, it was, you know, I mean, it skyrocketed top of the App
1: Store. I mean, Walt, I think you heard some comments from Verizon earlier this week. Yeah, Verizon was playing it up, saying that what you just said, which is like, hey, look, top of the App Store. Like, you know, aren't we great? Aren't we strong in terms of our impact? Which they are. 100% they are. I think they definitely helped um, the Disney plus, the Disney plus launch. So Verizon is, is, you know, fully trying to back its, its partner with, with, uh, discovery plus. And, you know, you open up the Verizon homepage and
2: you actually see promotion yep. on the homepage of Verizon for discovery. Plus, I think the issue here is I think discovery has got to kind of figure out, um, it's got great distribution. I mean, it got access to basically every single platform. I think yeah, only they, the they followed the
0: Disney playbook I think
1: really it almost feels like Verizon is pushing Discovery Plus more than mm-hmm. they did with Disney. Maybe because Disney sells itself <laughs> yeah, a little bit better say. on its own, but still, like
0: Verizon's they have definitely kinda, in terms of PR, you've you've seen, you know, Verizon talking heads out there more, right? Yeah, more than you did. I agree with you. Or Disney, yeah. I think Disney though the brand is transcendent and.
2: Yeah, I also think. look, yeah, no I think,
0: I think, has, for, look, I think for Disney, is- for Disney, <laughs> <laughs> that was more of a way for Verizon to move their
1: customers to higher price buckets. I'm not sure if someone's moving to a higher price bucket on Verizon to get Discovery, discovery Plus. So this was kind of Verizon using their power the other way <laughs> to help Discovery Plus, and probably the when economics you, of those deal, deals were likely different. I mean, look, Disney led
2: with Mandalorian, right? Everybody knew it was Star Wars. It was Mandalorian. It was huge and an event. I just think the average consumer it's going to take time to even understand what discovery
1: plus is like, but hold on. Yeah, did, they know the did, discovery channel, but I don't think they know what discovery plus even means. You're right. They started with Mandalorian. Mandalorian was not, it wasn't known at that moment that it was going to be great. Cause star Wars content had not been phenomenal right at that point. And even season one wasn't phenomenal. And, and we have, but maybe Yoda went viral.
0: Okay. Yeah. But that, that was, that was but, later. That was however many episodes in,
1: but I there mean, was it, this, it was strong off the jump. But there was still discussion within Verizon in the fact that a year later when these free customers came off that they would see churn unless Disney was going to deliver something more, which – Getting back to your D plus or excuse me, the Viacom investor day, like, I mean, Disney delivered the fucking shit like, Good, on their yeah. investor day. Like, and there's yep. no doubt that that was now a huge positive move for Verizon. No one's fucking churning from, from Disney plus given what they delivered at that investor day. So, you know, I don't know if, if Viacom is expecting to replicate that in terms of an investor day it would seem to me that would be hard to do.
0: We also always said that Disney was going to do well out of the gate. Because what did we say? Everyone who had kids from the age of, I don't know what it was, three to 11, I forget what we said, was going to want that service. With well, Discovery. Wasn't the people, data that the, that
1: the vast majority of subscribers well it,
0: were not, in fact, kids? It, it came to be that okay. later on. But we knew it was going to get off to a good start based on parents. Yeah, exactly. turns it turns out it had a, a rather lot rather more legs free. than
1: that. <laughs> and that it <laughs> well, was but, free. Hold on.
2: I'm also thinking, about, <laughs> as you guys are talking, I'm thinking out loud, who's going to be Paramount's partner? Think about it. It's not going to be at and because they're so tied, obviously, to HBO Max. T-Mobile's already got Netflix. It's hard to see why they would want why? more T-Mobile, Netflix. Was, well,
0: T-Mobile was did Quibi. It's, it's an, true. It's, so, a, you don't yeah, necessarily maybe. just have to have one.
2: That's right. So maybe it's Paramount. Maybe they, they now with the Quibi's dead, maybe they choose to do something. There will to defi-
0: one of the carriers will definitely have a biz dev deal there.
2: Yeah, I'm just thinking out loud. It, it's not obvious who it is. I, mean, I guess maybe it's T-Mobile is the only choice. What about Dish? What about the Cablecos? As their new wireless. Honestly, you, new though, wireless? they
0: have wireless. They can buy content with that. Why can't, why can't it be Verizon also? Who, who knows? I don't know. I think,
1: know Veri- I think right. Verizon has talked about, you know, you're right in terms of that, that T-Mobile had added Quibi, although that's kind of a one-off Verizon's talked about like having one kind of leader in each category of things that they would, that they wanted to wrap into their, their portfolio, but you know, who knows? I'm going to stick with Walt's comment on
2: Disney because I think, you know, his comment on the investor day and how blown away we were is exactly why we upgraded the stock earlier today. Like we threw in the towel. We were wrong. We we fucked it up completely uh, in terms of Disney. They just they crushed us in terms of the content. And I think the post we have up here from The Hollywood Reporter this week is Ricky Strauss, who we never really understood why he was involved in Disney plus content and marketing. He's been removed as Disney has really put all of their content focus into the core. Disney creative team. So there is no Disney plus creative team anymore. It's just the Disney content team. And as we saw at the investor day that Walt was talking about, the content they're creating, Star Wars, Marvel, it feels like their movie type content being created for Disney plus. And they're spending, instead of ramping up to 4 billion over the next few years, they're ramping up to 8 billion. So Disney clearly sees what Netflix is doing. And I think maybe more than anything, Disney's learning after a year of being in the D2C business that there is no dabbling. You got to go all in. You got to put a shitload of capital into this business. And you need a major piece of content, not once a year like Mandalorian. You need a p- great piece of content every week, if not every few weeks at worst. Like you need a ton of content. But I think they're learning, Brandon. Like they're iterating yeah, and learning. And
0: I think it certainly ho- hopes that investors have given them the leeway to do it. Um, and not only the which leeway, we didn't expect, have, we didn't expect. Have, have encouraged them to do that yes. because Disney always traded as a multiple of earnings and we didn't know if they could make that transition to being a sub driven stock. Yep. And as soon as I think management saw that buy in was there and encouragement, they that gave them the courage to really push all in. And you you have to give. Uh, Hats off to Bob Chapek. We did not believe that he was going to be the guy to really lean into the future. We thought Kevin Mayer, who probably came up with a lot of the ideas that they're that they're executing on right now, um, was that guy. But but Chapek has has done very well, and they deserve the upgrade that that we gave them today. I think the
1: investor willingness clearly is also just a function of. Capital is really cheap. I mean, think about cable companies yeah. years ago. If there was even a sniff that CapEx would go up like five percent, people would be freaking out. Right. You're saying burning, $20 billion bro. spend. Right. And and, what, and Comcast what? burned a billion dollars just on the on the wireless MVNO, not to mention being part of a JV that's gonna spend a shit ton on on this now spectrum. And no one even cares right now. Like no one's even talking about it as a negative. I mean, is that investors understanding?
0: Stories yet? St- stories drive the market. In, in well, the environment now, that that we that we have been in, you. and it's the perfect time for it. But it actually has been for some time. Look at Netflix stock, right? before it yeah. it wasn't always clear that you were going that was going to be a real cash flow generator. I just, I just and investors were willing to give the leeway and bear with it,
1: but i but my point is that, that is largely driven by the cost of capital and being so cheap, right? You could yeah, rate, so you could I'm rate not sure that investors money. are just I gonna have, blindly I agree with support you 100%. everything.
0: Yeah, and okay. Disney was always underlevered anyway, so they they had room.
2: Let's stick on uh, cable coast for a second. So. Comcast announced Peacock. Uh, I'm just going to read this it's from Streamable. NBC Universals reached a deal to bring Peacock to charter customers. Unlike Xfinity customers, they will get an extended free trial instead of including Peacock premium at no charge. So let me just set the stage for this. So when Peacock had their big investor day, the, the production. Is, made- that, is that
1: the investor day where your legendary TikTok was born, which got you? Um, yes. Verified on TikTok. I wish we had yes. that for this pie. For for those of you, please the reach out to how? me. I need to send you. Can you Hi. actually? T- can, can you? Can no, you tweet that, I Rich? I could or tweet it for our audience.
0: <laughs> Yeah, right. that was your later. best t- you only have like that six your, tiktoks head. and yet that was your that best was, ever. that was hilarious that
1: one
2: i want to tell you i stood out there on that in, in front of 30 I know, rock i must amazing. have done it like 30 times and you kept saying no that doesn't look good bad. you always hold your phone
1: too low you got to hold it up high
0: high
2: but i looked like a complete idiot singing in the middle of 30 rocks That's with amazing. all of this is what makes crowding rich crowding around me it
0: was hysterical like, like, it was makes, really funny. this is what yeah. makes you we, who you are your willingness we couldn't we could that that ability a- to not have the self-awareness is one of the easier <laughs> success for it's Greenfield. OK, okay. so never forget it
2: <laughs> so at that meeting. So at that meeting, Brian Roberts and the team at Comcast made it very clear that the plan for Peacock was that they were essentially the goal was that it was basically going to be a free piece of everyone's cable service all around the country, not just on Comcast, not just on Cox, which takes the X1 interface from Comcast, but they were going to go to charter. They were going to go to all the different cable operators around the country. And if you took cable, Peacock was going to basically be a, a, a you know, a, a free add on, not Peacock, Pequok? not the Pluto TV like service, but you were actually going to get the Peacock premium. So like the SVOD service that came with ads, you were going to get that for taking cable service. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's working out like that. And all you're getting is a free trial on Charter. And I think that's a pretty big deal because it sort of shows while Walt was talking about the friendship or the, the working together nature of these companies in wireless on the video side, Charter has not taken X1. They don't use the X1 platformer boxes, which they Comcast always wanted them to. And they're not willing to essentially give away for an extended period of time. Peacock, which probably means they're not willing to share economics or whatever it is, data, whatever it is, there's something that caused this not to get to the level that they were hoping it would get to in terms of integration with with other cable operators. So I think it's a pretty big deal. It means Peacock, beyond being a a pure ad-supported free service, which they have this kind of Pluto TV-like service, that you're going to have to actually pay for Peacock, which is $4.99 a month in a much greater part of the country. Than people were expecting or at least that comcast was originally expecting in their plan so we'll see uh so far you know peacock while they have the office we haven't seen a lot out of peacock i think a lot more we'll see later in this year as the premium content starts soccer. to roll out yeah and soccer it was why walt subscribes and obviously the olympics later this year you know assuming it happens will be a much bigger event
1: and as they move more to soccer is probably i would guess three million ish in terms of numbers of people that care on, on that front nationwide. So in the U.S. for, for huh. PCI. It is interesting, though, that, um, I mean, I think this, you would think that historically, like how cable was built was was partnering with each other, taking minority stakes, figuring out economic ways to do it. Like Brian Roberts has been around this for a long time. He worked with, he's been on the same board with, with um, you know, back to the TCI days. So like you would think that these things can get hashed out. It seems odd that, that they can't. I just think that these companies just don't like working
2: with each other really, especially on kind of their core business. I mean, maybe wireless is sort of seen as sort of like it, they, it, they know it, it makes, is a national it makes, business.
0: It makes no sense, though, because they don't even they don't even compete. They're they regional operators. It just I has know. to
1: take a willingness to give up some economics. I mean, that's that's how Malone did shit. And like I don't understand why people have, and look how much money he made as a result. I remember when, when
2: Time Warner, sorry, when Comcast tried to buy Time Warner cable, I still remember it was a snowy day. I remember walking into the conference room where they did a sell site analyst meeting yep. that morning and they were excited. The big thing they were excited about was that they were going to be national so that they could have their own wireless national platform. Like that was the goal by buying Time Warner cable. Well, when that part, deal failed, part, part it of the Charter.
0: Yeah.
2: A big piece of it was, I think, the long-term wireless opportunity and that got blown up by Charter. Ending or by the government, but then charter ending up getting the asset that they really wanted. Uh, let's move on to Roku. So Roku today is a $50 billion company. Uh, part of it is market reaction this week to being excited that they got to 50 million active accounts. There's a Roku tweet we hear. Javier, thank you, streamers. Today we announced preliminary estimated data as of December 31st, 2020, 51.2 million active accounts. So breaking that 50 million threshold. And 59 billion hours streamed in 2020. Uh, you know, I don't not, nothing terribly surprising in those numbers versus street expectations. But I think the 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 real thing that was surprising this week, and it became official earlier today, is a Hollywood Reporter tweet here. We have Roku acquires programming library from defunct mobile video startup Quibi. You shocked, Brandon?
0: I'm actually not shocked. I I think it makes sense. First of all. I don't think the dollar outlay was all that much. They're buying the rights for a couple of years because there's no way for them to own the rights in perpetuity because Quibi never actually owned them. I think it's more of like sort of a a sub-license situation. And look, you just put up 50 million or whatever it was active accounts. There is a... an active funnel that you can now take this content and put it into and see if the content actually was any good. I think of it as an option um, for Roku that wasn't that high price. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. And if for some reason the content works, then they can lean into that seven minute sort of format and go with it. And They could become a bigger player on mobile and if not really who gives a shit that's kind of how i think about it especially Uh, in this market
2: well think about it every single media company when we think about the history of media companies they start with other people's content you know catalog content whether we're talking netflix or whether we're talking hbo or amc you know networks or you know fx i mean time and time again you start with other people's content you build your platform And eventually you're ready to own control and even start the Roku
0: Roku, Roku, um, channel has licensed content. I mean, very
2: short term. But yes, they have.
0: Right. That's what and this is also a short term licensing of content. Right. It's just a multiple years. But yeah, it's just a completely different format. That's it. Right. And so maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Eventually, though, if Roku, you know, starts to actually generate cash or can raise capital because rates are very low, as uh, Walt has pointed out, maybe they start to take some original shots on goal, and we could see how that goes.
1: Are they going to present it as produced, or are they going to stitch them together um, to make one long episode? I don't
2: know. I would presume, and you know, it's funny. Katzenberg had always talked about longer term, it made sense to stitch them back together and make one full episode out of think, these things or one long
0: movie. But I, my I guess know. is no,
1: my guess I is mean, when, I is... don't know how Roku works, but with I mean, effectively, that's what happens in Netflix. If you're binging a show, right, you're going to go from one episode to the next. You just have that like 15 seconds Oh, thing autoplay. And, yeah, yeah. autoplay. Yeah, the
0: they could have autoplay.
2: It may just do that, but look, the Roku channel is ad-supported, so this is a way to basically add unique, exclusive—it's the—it's sure. exclusive so content. Them and
1: drop an ad in between each each individual episode.
2: It Seems really easy to do, and Roku's got the best ad platform for connected TV out there right now. Do they? Well, in terms of <laughs> look, the largest, I guess, if if you're sitting there and you're trying to reach 50 million homes, it's a 50 million home platform to reach. No one else has 50 million homes.
0: That's what I was getting at. Largest yeah. from scale. Under-
2: yeah. Okay. okay, let's talk sports betting. Uh, Brandon, why don't you read these two? Because I think you've been so in the weeds of sports betting.
0: Okay. Um, breaking. This is from Darren Rovell. Governor Cuomo decides to back mobile sports betting in New York, ready to compete with New Jersey. So that was the first one. Then later in the day from Ryan Butler, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo says he wants to do sports betting with lottery control instead of casinos, saying it will make more money for the state. And so, look, if if the what does that lot- mean? If the lottery controls it, as I think is done in New Hampshire, maybe Delaware, then one sports book is sort of put in charge and that's it. It's not a competitive market at all. And in return for being the anointed one, you pay a significant amount of taxes back. So I think in New Meaning Hampshire, like the sports book right? p- pays like 51% um, of, the re- of their revenue in taxes back to the state. And so there's a lot of implications of that. If you're the chosen one, that's obviously great, even paying 51% back. But a lot of the sort of benefits to non-sportsbook players go away, which is those who are reliant on advertising and sponsorship. And obviously,
2: well, but even in the overall growth of the market, right, like if you want to encourage people to, to to sports bet, you want everybody marketing it, right? You want a war for subscribers you or for users like you want that competitive juice to get more people into the funnel. If you've only got one platform, there's there's far less of an inertia to spend aggressively in the same way.
0: Right. Which is a good thing and a bad thing. Right. Because it becomes it's a much more profitable business for the monopoly player in the market. And it's pr- pr- and there's obviously math that is done by the states to figure out how much meat to leave on the bone for the for the one player and how much it will impact the overall amount of betting to maximize tax revenue.
2: Now the minute this came or as soon as this came across we immediately had people saying just relax when New Jersey was being yeah. passed, well, this, it, where
0: it started a couple, and where it ended up day, were very different. Right. A couple of days later. I mean, we saw this today. This is for off Bloomberg. New York House Senate filed sports betting bills on Thursday, which which is yesterday. And then today we heard that those bills probably are not lotto control and will be competitive market. So the truth of the matter is we have no idea how this is going to turn out. Perfect. It could be either way.
2: Nobody should be jumping to conclusions. The good news is sports betting sounds like it's coming sooner than later to New York state, which is great. What the actual format is, you know, while everyone's hopes were dashed, it may not be that simple or that quick.
1: My lock of the week is Tom Brady giving seven points to the Washington football team. I knew that
2: was coming. I knew it. Okay. Let's end with our our last topic for the day is Twitter acquiring the social podcasting app breaker um, team to help build Twitter spaces. I'll be honest. I didn't even know what Twitter spaces was before this headline hit. I think Alex Heath was one of the ones who broke this story um, earlier in the week and the breaker team. So breaker was basically a podcast discovery app. So it wasn't even clear uh, what it had to do with Twitter Spaces. Twitter Spaces effectively is going to be a clubhouse-like audio product for Twitter. Brandon, you love the idea of sort of a clubhouse product inside of Twitter.
0: I think it just, I think it fits very well with what Twitter's identity is, which is discussion around current events and going deep on topics, and um, have it, clubhouse is you know, in a lot of ways, the audio version of of what Twitter, you know, should be or or wants to be. And so yeah, I think I think it makes a lot of sense.
2: Um I mean we saw but, it with Periscope, right? Where things were integrated into I mean man. you know Periscope's now shut down, but I mean that was you know sort of the Meerkat and Periscope days, they were they were features, not or the features of larger services, not standalone products. I think what's going to be interesting is does does something like Clubhouse stand alone or do we see it integrated like Twitter's trying to do with Twitter spaces? No, I
0: I I, I think Twitter is going to try and integrate this into core Twitter. And I actually think it makes sense as opposed to the kind of the stories feature and putting longer form live video um, in the scroll and other experiments that they've that they've made. I actually like this idea. Um, is it going to get traction relative to what's going on with Clubhouse? Clubhouse seems to really be, you know, establishing itself and iterating um, pretty quickly. They've actually opened it up a lot more. I would say in the last month,
2: The Velvet Ropes come down. We felt yeah, the Velvet Rope has bit.
0: come down. By the way, I need to say this. I know it's on late for you guys because it's 10 p.m. Pacific, 1am. ram has been doing a Stern. weekly or Sri, nightly, right? Sri Rams, I've been listening to every night. It's awesome. Um, he has Mark Andreessen on with him and and his wife every night and a special guest. And they kind of review what's going on in the day, get deep on some topics, kind of like we do on our podcast, only a little more or a lot more tech oriented in general. And uh, it's good for those who are awake at that time.
2: Uh, we have a special way to end for this, uh, starting this week, Brandon, right? You want to oh, just tee this up? Yes,
0: out? Uh, because we didn't use Dre for our intro music. We decided to use him for our outro. So here. Oh, here we nothing go. Nothing but a G thing. And it's really because of the way this ends. <laughs> I just like that. I, I, I needed that just chill to the next episode. I think it's kind of apropos. Hopefully, the whole country chills a little bit. And things are, are, uh, are a little more normal, shall I say, when, when we get on this uh, podcast next week. I saw a really funny tweet from somebody that said, I, I tried, I had my seven-day 2021 trial and I don't want to continue to subscribe. (laughs)
2: Uh, Have a great weekend, everyone. That's episode 38. Bye.